for us this morning as we're often placed in a predicament where we're so callous to, to issues of life. We, we open up the newspaper or you go online to your, um, your website, you read every morning before you get into work and you are exposed to hurt, to pain, and it's almost like we've become accustomed to it. I found my heart drifting this week as I began reading about this whole virus thing and the amount of people dying. It's, it, for me, it was like, um, almost felt surreal. But they're souls. And yeah, they, they might have the, the disease, the dreaded disease, but they there's something far worse than a dreaded disease, my friend. That is an eternity without Jesus. So it's a good reminder of that song. And I pray that it worked in your heart. Let's take our Bibles this morning and let's turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And this story is very common to us. We have heard many sermons about it, but I believe the Lord wants us to delve into it once more today. Luke chapter 5, verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. I think every desire in this room, every heart in this room, if you're walking with Jesus Christ, your desire is that your friend, that your family member, your cousin, your brother and sister will get to know Jesus Christ personally. If you're walking with Jesus today, I know your desire as you follow the scriptures is to share the blessed truths of the word of God. And so today, I guess the sermon is entitled, Bringing Your Friends to Jesus. Bringing Your Friends to Jesus. Today, I was... Uh, I was, I was talking to the teenagers, and we had, a, we had a blast. We had a laugh. We had a blast learning about the Bible, learning in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. And we were talking about how, as children, we're supposed to follow after God. And I was reminded about that as I, as I spoke to the teenagers, and I'd like to share that with you again t- this morning, is that it's so easy to become the parent, to know what to do, to know what to say instead of relying on Jesus Christ to lead us. And we need to follow God. First point for us this morning is simply this. There was a desired result. There was a desired result. Verse 18, and behold, men brought in a bed. And we've read this already. But understand this, he was, was taken with a palsy. Palsy was, is, a, is a word contracted from paralysis the loss of sensation or power or motion or both in any part of the body. The infirmities include, under this name, in the New Testament were various. So there's different types of palsies in the New Testament. They just called the thing the same thing. It says this, the paralytic shock affecting the whole body or affecting only one side of the body or affecting the whole system below the neck. Thanks, brother. But whether the palsy was through the whole body or whether the palsy was just in 
his legs or whatever it may be, understand that there was a desired result. And everyone in this room, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have a desire. You sure do. And I know you do. Why? Because you carry tracks. You have tracks in your workplace. You know what was a blessing? I, I walked into this workplace once and I saw um, a, a track rack. And it basically had, it had our tracks in there. It had some great, uh, great resources. And in, it was just there. It was just right and obvious in the middle of this work, working environment. You know what? That was a blessing. That's an encouragement. Why? Because we're trying to spread the truth of the gospel. There's a desire. And this morning, whatever your desire is for the Lord, God knows about it. God, God understands it. God cares just as much or even greater than how much you care about it. That is our God. And so today, as we see that this is a desired result, we need to notice something. It says this, and behold, men. Is that singular or plural, church? Plural. That's plural. It wasn't just a single person wanting to, to, to bring this man of palsy to Jesus. No, it was a plural. It was a group of people. There was a desired result, but notice it was a team effort. These men took time to consider the means of bringing this man to Jesus. Sometimes we think we're the only one interested in our friends. It's true. Sometimes we... We, we think we're the only ones that's doing something for the Lord. But let me remind you, like God reminded Elijah in, in 1 Kings. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. 1 Kings chapter 19. And just a couple of verses here. Verse 14. Uh, verse 9. You get to context and we'll just jump straight into verse 14. And he came thither into the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Let's skip down to verse 13 of 1 Kings chapter 19. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou hear, Elijah? Notice he asked again. Verse 14. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away and so the understanding is that Elijah was in the same predicament he had a desired result for the Israelites but he felt that he was the only one doing it have you ever been there have you ever tried to direct your family through a through a, a farage of different things just to get to the other side. Have you ever tried that? And it almost seems like all the kids are going this way and, and mom's going this way and you're, you're trying to go around everybody. And it's just so many. It just feels like you're the only one trying to get it through. But Christian, let me remind you, there are men and women in this church that love your friends, that love your family, and maybe not to the extent as you do, but understand we're a team here. When Pastor Hernan got back from, um, mercy, from, from Bundaberg, we had a meeting and we, we talked about and we rehearsed all that God has done for us. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that great? Why? Because you need that. And we sat down and we, we started talking. He, he talked about how, you know, Malachi got saved. 
Man, that thrilled my heart. Not only just that, he, he talked about another lady receiving Christ in Bundaberg. That, that thrilled my heart. And when I told him, hey, Pastor, you know, there's some people that got saved too. Man, he got excited. I'll tell you why. It's not a competition, my friend. Amen? It's not a competition against another brother or another family. We're here together as a team. And the Bible says these men, multiple, how are we going to fix this guy? How am I going to help this man? How am I going to go around and not try to do steamroll it myself? How am I going to do it as a team? Why? Because God uses teams. Amen? Because it's easy to say, oh, you know, the apostles went out and they, they spread the word of God. No, no. They went two by twos. And when they went two by twos, it wasn't, it wasn't just two men. It was two families that went. And so the understanding today is that God likes teams. Let's continue on. See, in, in verse, nine, uh, verse 18, 1 Kings chapter eight, uh, 19, verse 18, says this, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. While Elijah was so focused on himself and getting it done for himself, he didn't realize there was some more people. There were 7,000 in Israel, all, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. God knows what's going on. He, he, he doesn't, he, he's like, oh, oops, I, I made a mistake. No, no, he knows exactly what's going on. And you might feel that you're alone today. You might feel that you're all by yourself. But God has surely given you, has surely given you a local church. That's why it's so vital. That's why it's so vital to come to church. Amen. Don't you love being in church? I do. Because I know exactly what happens when it rains. I know that corner gets flooded. 100% I do. And so today, we're trying to figure it out because we threw all the little planks of wood that we used to use away. And we found something, and there's, there's like these metal steps. And we use them as a stage a long time ago. Now we're using them as a bridge. Isn't that great? But do you know what, church? Um, we can't do that ourselves. The, the deacons that, that help and the, the, men, the, the men that helped, the teenagers, the young adults that helped to, to set all that up, that was a team effort. Why? Because we want you guys to not get your shoes wet. So you take off your shoes during the service and the aroma of, of blessings come out. We don't want that to happen. So you just keep your shoes on, amen? <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't even see your feet, so it's all good. Church, understand this. We're a team, amen? God likes teams. So don't feel that you're alone, please. Don't feel like you're the only one. There are many here that have not bowed the knee to Baal. They have not kissed him. There are many here that want you to succeed in your life. Let's continue on. That's the first point. There was a desired result. Do you know what's crazy? I know you have my notes. And so sometimes, I'm going to be honest, sometimes the notes go out the window. But today I won't. Amen. We'll just keep going. Secondly, I know I skipped one. Let's continue. Notice that their, their actions were propelled by faith that they would see Jesus to heal him. We do a lot of things for a lot of reasons. 
But we need to do things because of faith. And yes, we could be a team. Yes, we could make all these decisions all together. But it needs to be done through faith. They made plans so that they can see Jesus so that the man could be healed. And our actions must proceed with faith. In Hebrews 11.6, it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, where not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you see the, the understanding here, church, is that I have a friend with the palsy, and yes, maybe he's saved. Let me say that again. Yes, maybe he's already a blood-bought, born-again believer of Jesus Christ. But he's not walking with God. He doesn't know the relationship with God that he used to. So as a team, let's go pick him up and bring him to Jesus. Amen? Or maybe you're on this end and you say, you know what, he's my father or she's my mother and she needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to call my, my sisters and my brothers here at church and say, you know what, could you pray for me as I go? I'm, I'm going to have dinner with her this week. I'd like to bring up Jesus. Can you ask for wisdom? Can you pray with me about that? Maybe teenager, you have an unsafe friend that you'd like to witness to, but you just don't know how. Bring him along. We saw that on Friday night. One of our kids brought a friend along, and that night he said, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. We showed him the answer. Amen? There's a new name written down in glory. We're a team, but we step out in faith. Why? Believing that they'll see Jesus. Continue. Next. Second point. Now we're getting to the second point. I won't go, I'll try not to go too long this morning. Secondly, there was a dampening set of circumstances. There's a dampening set of circumstances. In Luke chapter 5, verse 19, it says this, And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude. I know it's, a, it's not the finish of the sentence, but there's a pause there. There was a dampening set of circumstances. Though our endeavors for God are good and righteous, we will face obstacles. Do you believe that this morning? Sure will. In John 15, 18, it says this, in John 15, 18, it says this, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Verse 20, we remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept me, uh, my sayings, they will keep yours also. 2 Timothy 3.12, we know the verse. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. That doesn't work with TV evangelists. Why? Because my friend, when you got saved, 
you made yourself a target for Satan. When you received Jesus, when you got serious about reading your Bible and reading your, uh, and praying and, and walking with God, when you start getting serious about your Christianity, my friend, you're not going to be blending in with the crowd. You're going to be right there in front. You're going to have a cross out right on your chest that says, hey, I'm a Christian. This is what's going to happen. And let me tell you, church, it's scary. It's scary to know that there will be persecution. But you know what? It's also a blessing. It's, it's like um, when you take flu medication, right? The box says, these are the warnings. Um, you might get drowsy. You might want to sleep. It's a beautiful day, right? Beautiful day to sleep. In medications, they warn you about the, the potential consequences of that medication in the same way as the Bible warns us, if you're going to live a Christian life, you need to be prepared that people are going to re- uh, ridicule you, that family are going to disown you, people are going to say, you know what, you're cuckoo, you're crazy, go away. I don't want to be your friend. That's the reality of a Christian's life. That's why it's a cross to bear, isn't it? Amen. Take up your cross and follow me. That is what you bear as a believer. I'm not sure who said it, but whoever said it was really wise, said it to me. He said, be careful when everyone that you encounter speaks highly and goodly of you. I was like, what's the problem? But the reality is, church, even though we have good ideas and desires, we're going to face obstacles just like these men. And you know what? The obstacles weren't bad. The obstacles was actually good. People wanted to see Jesus. People were inside the, the house. It was full. There was a lot of people that were sick. And, and early in the chapter, you'll find that he was healing people too. So it was a good thing that those things were happening. It's just, it was a problem for one. And that brings me to my second point in this, in this point here. Is it up there? There, there are a dampening set of circumstances this one here, not everyone, need, well, not everyone needed to go through the roof to see Jesus. Amen? Let me clarify that. Not everybody had to do the things that these men did to see Jesus. Some walked into the door and got, got healed. Other men had the opportunity to, to see Jesus outside of the house. The miracles that uh, occurred previously to this the, the meeting inside the house, all these things. But there were different people with different set of circumstances. And if we're not careful, church and myself included, is that we think God is going to come this way, come through this door and heal us this way because that's what he did for them. Yes? Well, they were in, they were in turmoil in their business and, and God made a way for them to to, to get their business up and running, and now it's, it's, it's going well, so God's going to go that way for us as well. But maybe He won't. Huh. He's still God. Amen? And some people need to go through the roof, but some people can just walk through the door. So don't create this standard of this is how God's going to answer my prayer, because this is how He's done it before. Sometimes He changes His means of supply. Amen? 
Sometimes he changes his means of supply. And that's okay. Why? Because he is God. There were some, there were some obstacles that they needed to face. Not everyone was, had to go through the roof. Some were yelled on the street. Some came to him at night. Some even just touched his garment and they were healed. Imagine if all these men gave up. What if the person that, was, was, that witnessed to you said, you know what, you're too difficult. I'm not going to share the gospel anymore. Isn't that a sombering thought? Why? Because today, there are many in this room that are praying for the salvation of souls. Don't give up, even if you face obstacles. There's some people in this room that have family members that are not saved. But there are some people in this room that are second-generation Christians, third-generation Christians. Don't compare. Continue. Don't compare. Continue. Thirdly, there was a divine response. Let's look back in our passages of Scripture, Luke. Chapter 5, verse 20. You're doing well this morning. Thank you for staying awake. Luke chapter 5, verse 20. It says this. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. There was a divine response, but I understand that there were two responses given to by Jesus Christ that day. Firstly, we'll look into the, the man that was brought to him, the sick man. As he looked at the man's faith, this is, that's what he says in, in verse, verse 20. And when he saw there, that's not singular, that's plural. So they're not talking about, he's not talking about the man of the palsy. It says their faith. That's plural. That's indicating it's the group of men that brought that man of palsy in. Does that make sense? So now when Jesus saw their faith, because obviously there was only just one coming in, he saw their faith, he responded by saying to this man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Their faith caused this man to be healed. Church, that's what you do when you give. How does that work? Do you know, when you give your tithes, your offerings, when you give of your time to practice, when you give opportunities here, and when you take opportunities and you give of yourself to people, God will bless that. God will multiply that. God will take something that you cannot give yourself and do something supernatural for something to happen over here. Amen? So don't waver about that. And just because we're not like everybody else doesn't mean that God can't use us this way. Just because we're not raking in millions of dollars doesn't mean that He can't turn your one dollar into ten souls over here. Don't underestimate God. 
you know, I was talking to a missionary, and he was showing to me his ideas and his plans for this great church that he's, he's about to build, start building on. They just did their soil thing where they dredge a, a hole right into the, the center of where they were going to build and to see whether they can build a certain way. And do you know what he told me? I said, bro, how, do you, how are you going to pay for all this? Me and my faithlessness, right? <laughs> he said, my God has deep pockets. I said, amen. He goes, I want to live through faith. And you know what? They're going to start building. And God willing, it'll be built by the end of this year. But this guy's a millionaire. No, he's not. But he's got heaps and heaps and heaps of support. He doesn't. But he's stepping out in faith. And God is blessing him for that. Guys, come to church. You'll never please God with your faithlessness. You'll never do that. But when you give and when you share and when you go out and you get people together, not for your own agenda, but for God's, God will bless that. And he communicated to those men, hey, I see your faith. This man will be healed. Man, that sins will be forgiven thee. It's interesting. I know... We usually use the, the, the verse to say, okay, um, he, he impacted the, the primary issue. The primary issue was the sin. Amen? The secondary issue was the palsy. So Jesus answered the sin issue. That was the primary issue that that man had, was his sin. But let me just turn it with this. When Jesus Christ said those words, he meant what he said. It wasn't just for fun. Amen? And he explains it because he responds to the second group of people. And let's see, who are they? It says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts... He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. Now let me ask you the question, which is easier? Do you know anyone can say thy sins be forgiven thee? Yeah, you can say it, but you don't see any result. You can't see a result, can you? Because I can say, you know what, I, I, I forgive you of your sins. That's blasphemy, 100%. But you can't see it. It's not like, it's not like the shackles come off his hands and he's, he gets wings as eagles and he soars up into the sky. That doesn't happen. So if Jesus Christ was to say, take up thy bed and walk, and nothing happened, then do you know what? He would have been a fraud. So which is easier? And you need to understand, when when he made those statements, it was to answer their heart. Their heart was saying, this man is saying, forgive them of his sins. He's saying that he's God. But where's the proof? 
Remember, they seek for a sign. You know the verse. And so Jesus turns around and gives them the answer, which is easier. And he answers them by saying, you know what? Take up thy bed and walk. And you know what he does? He does it. Amen. Why? Because he did two things that day. Sins were gone. Amen. And his bed was pretty much just used for night because he doesn't need them. Took up his bed, went back home. It's another interesting thought, but you can study that another day. Um, And so Jesus Christ responded to two. The issue of sin is something that's neglected these days. The issue of sin is often, you know what, just, you know, everyone's a sinner. And that's pretty much it. But understand this. It says this. Our approach to the problems of society will also be governed by our view of sin. On one hand, if we feel that humanity is basically good or at worst morally neutral, we will view the problems of society as stemming from the unwholesome environment. Alter the environment and changes in the individual's, uh, individual human and their behavior will follow. That's humanistic. That's not true. I'm sorry. It sounds good. Sin cannot be educated away, my friend. It cannot be. So if you take a person out of the environment that they're in, because this is what the world says, you're a product of your environment. That may be true in some regard, but that's not true about sin. If you take that person out of the environment they're in and place them into a perfect environment or a better environment, do you know what's going to follow them? Sin. You say, show me from the Bible. Amen. That's what we like. Do you remember the Garden of Eden? Everything was perfect. There's still sin. And so our view of sin, my friend, will govern how we live. And so when he turned around and said, thy sins be forgiven, there's only one person that can do that, and that was God. And so obviously he was announcing to every single person, I am God. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. You believe that this morning? Amen. Sure is. We're not, we're, we're not, we're not watchtower this morning. Amen. Mercy. Read the Bible. But we're the true Jehovah's Witnesses. That hurt. We, we are the real ones, by the way. You are witnessing Jesus Christ. Let's continue on. As we finish up, fourth, and lastly, simply this. There was a divine, uh, definite ramification. There was a definite ramification. Luke chapter 5, verse 25. And immediately he arose up from before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I like that last bit. Because sometimes people make professions of faith and go back and just do whatever they want, and there's no glorifying God. There's proof in the pudding. When you're dead, you're dead. But when you're alive, you're alive. And man, if you're alive spiritually, you're alive spiritually. Amen. It's going to show. And I'm not saying, 
oh, you got to show your works to, to know that you're going to have. No, no. Your, your, your works will show that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's true. You can't get around that. We know it's faith alone, 100%. But when a person is dead and now is alive, there's a change. There is a definite change. And he turned and he glorified God. Why? Because he knew that God forgave him of his sin. Secondly, verse 26, 526 says this, And they were all amazed. And notice that word again. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. So the sick, sick man was healed. And he glorified God. And those that witnessed the miracle saw and glorified God. And what happened was there was a renewed reverence towards God. So let's recap this and then we'll finish. There was a desired result. A desired result from a group of men that wanted to help somebody out. It doesn't tell us their relationship. They could have been brothers. They could have been friends. It doesn't tell us that. But it told us there's more than one. So let me ask you the question. Who are you helping today? We sang the song, Make Me a Channel of Blessing, but who are you blessing today? We, 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 we understand the concept and we come to church understanding that we're here to be fed. Yes, that's true. But who are we helping today? That's my first question. You can answer that as I can answer my own. Secondly, there was a dampening set of circumstances. We must not become disheartened when our pursuits do not come the way or in the time we want. So what is hindering you? That's my second question. First question, who are you helping? Second, what's hindering you from taking a step of faith? Because by taking the step of faith, you are pleasing God. Thirdly, there was a divine response. God's word will continue to go forth and change lives. It will. Yesterday, I was at a, I was a, at a conference regarding SRE, basically um, spiritual religion, uh, special religious education. And they, they said, put up your hand if it's your first year to teach at a public school, put up their hand. Probably about 50 people put up their hand. So our first year, everyone clapped. Yeah. Then I said, I'll have about five years. And then everyone looked around like, ooh, wow, yeah. Five years teaching in, church, uh, in the church. In a public school, Jesus Christ. And there was like heaps of people, heaps, heaps and heaps. I just saw hands everywhere. And then he, she, he started saying, all right, how about, how about 10 years? And a lot of hands dropped, but there was about, probably about 70 people put their, left their hands up. 10 years, 15 years, hands stayed up. 20 years, 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, 
and these hands didn't move. And I looked at these people that for 40 years they were in a public school sharing the love of Jesus Christ. 40 years. And you know what? They weren't young. <laughs> you wouldn't be. You <laughs> were teaching 40 years. You're like, what, what do they look like? I don't want to be mean. But they weren't young. But do you know what, church? This year they'll go again. Why? Because this door of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in public schools is slowly closing. It's not closed yet. Amen? Praise the Lord. Not in New South Wales. We still have regulations. We still have the law on our side. Every single public school is required to provide special education, religious education, by the way. And inside that, you can invite them to church. That's embedded into the law. So it's fantastic. Anyways, 40 years. Don't use your age as an excuse. You're not, you're not too old to serve Jesus. You're not. You're not too young to serve Jesus. But what is the end result, Pastor EJ? Is simply this, church, is that one day we will glorify God with what we've done. And say, God, we didn't deserve this. God, we started as a, a church of, of two families, three families here. And now look at us. We, you've, you've blessed us. You've given us a place that has air conditioning. You've given us a place that has a beautiful auditorium. You've given us men and women from all different parts of the world. You've allowed us to have this place at this time, at this generation. But let me ask you, what are you doing with it? We are doing so much with the church. We are doing so much. And God is using our church. But the thing is, is that sometimes we just sit down and we think that, oh, serve me, serve me, serve me. But my friend, that's not the case. How am I going to serve you? How can I help you? How can I take you further in your journey for Jesus Christ? You know what? I'm, I'm 80 years old. How can I give you some truth? And all I did that day, yesterday, was go to old men and old women and say, what are you going to tell me about it? What, what, what tips do you have for a young man growing up inside this place? How, how, do, I, how do I get in, involved a little bit more? How do I stay faithful? You've seen it all. We have men and women in this room that can do that. Let's maximize it. And God willing, yeah, we're celebrating 25 years. And God has been great. But he will continue being great. And God willing, we will continue growing as a church for His glory, for His honor. Why? Because we're a team. And we have a purpose that will not be pushed aside. And that purpose is souls. Amen? It's souls. It's always been people, not process. It's easy to talk process. I can give you a whole timeline on processes. But God cares about people. And may we as a church take our friends and say, let's get, I can't help you the way that somebody else can help you. Let me, let me show you to a person that is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Let me show to you a person that has all the knowledge in the world that can answer your questions because I can't. 
Let me show it to you to, to a precious book that thousands of people died for. Let me bring you to that because I can't answer all your questions, but I know who can, and that's Jesus Christ. And church, you're a part of that. Amen? So let me encourage you. You're not alone. Let's keep going forward for Jesus. Secondly, if you're not saved, Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel, my friend. That is the good news. That's what we proclaim here at our church. Not of works of righteousness that we have done. Not joining church membership. But faith in Jesus Christ and His payment alone. His work, not our work. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And though even if it's wet and damp outside, may it not dampen our hearts. And may our hearts burn with vigor and zeal in regards to our friends and bringing them back to you, bringing them to you, Lord, if they're not saved. But then again, I ask, Lord, that again, speak to your church. Speak to the hearts of your people even today. And as the piano plays this morning, as a custom in our church, 